Happy Hump Day. Good Wednesday. Welcome back to the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. I'm slow clapping right now. I'm standing. I'm applauding. I'm reflecting. And I'm appreciating the quality first effort by the college football playoff committee who came out with a top 25 on Tuesday, first time of the season, and actually did an admirable job. I'm your show host, Kyle Lamb. We're going to be talking about the job the committee did in this first rankings. In case you were living under a rock, Ohio State rounding out the top five at number one, LSU two, Alabama three, Penn State number four, and your defending champs, Clemson Tigers number five. We'll discuss that in the show. I've got plenty to say on that, but the bottom line here, the Cliff Notes version is that I think they did a fantastic job with this first rankings. We'll get into that here in a few minutes. Also, in the show, Ohio State basketball tipping it off tonight. Season opener against the Cincinnati Bearcats at Value City Arena. That is an 8.30 start on FS1. We'll preview that game here a little bit later. Locked on Buckeyes is sponsored by JFQ. Lending all your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. We're also supported by GoBus. Right to over 40 stops across Ohio. Connecting rural communities to Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. Get to Ohio State games with GoBus and bring comfort back to traveling. Visit them at ridegobus.com. Okay, so I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to pull any punches here. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee did indeed release its first rankings of the 2019 college football season Tuesday evening. They were unveiled as they have customarily been after week 10 of the college football season. And I got to be honest, looking at these rankings, it might be the single best body of work the committee itself has accomplished since 2014 when it went on a hunch and got Ohio State right in the playoff over Baylor and TCU. I don't think these rankings are good just because they did get Ohio State number one, although I know some of you are jumping up and down, celebrating, very happy that the perceived SEC bias is not alive and well today. You're happy that they didn't buckle to the pressure of the defending champion Clemson. But that's precisely why I think the committee got this one right. Now, as I've been cautioning here on Lock on Buckeyes, the hard part, the difficult part for the committee, it still lies ahead. Because this ranking means nothing. It doesn't mean it, actually, let me rephrase. It doesn't mean anything specifically as to what's going to happen in the first week of December when the committee has to go back and put the final rankings together. I did point this out on Twitter, though, and I do believe this. These rankings do matter from the standpoint, this is the same group of people that will be selecting the college football playoff pairings come December. 
So how they view a team or teams is very much relevant. Because we have to see, this is a window, as I put it, on Twitter. This is a window into their perception. This is a window into any narratives that they may have. If you roll back the clock to last year, remember when the first rankings came out and basically for the rest of the season, they were tripping over themselves trying to justify Oklahoma being ahead of Ohio State. It was clear when you look back retrospectively that they had their minds made up. If Oklahoma won out, there was nothing Ohio State could do from there on out. Ohio State cleaned Michigan's clocks. 62-39 didn't matter. Oklahoma looked pretty good in the rematch against Texas. And it didn't matter that it was a rematch. They got to make up for the loss that they had on the season. Ohio State didn't have that luxury. So it was clear that no matter what Ohio State did down the stretch of that season last year, the committee was taking Oklahoma. So when people say, or people said coming into this initial rankings, well, it doesn't matter. You're right, this ranking itself doesn't matter. But the process and what we learn from it, what we glean from the committee, absolutely does matter. It is important because this is the group of the people of people that will decide the future. Now, the good news for Ohio State is win and you're in. If you run the table, if Ohio State runs the table, clearly they're in. That's not a, an issue. What I think this initial ranking does it gives a glimmer of hope that Ohio State could maybe trip up to Penn State or Michigan or Minnesota slash Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship and maybe still get in. There is that glimmer of hope now. If Ohio State had been pushed down to three or, God forbid, four in this initial ranking, then a lot of you would be saying, uh-oh, Ohio State has to win out, and understandably so. But they didn't do that, and, and I think this is their best work yet, or at least since 2014, and here's why. Because they use the common sense approach. I know some people will argue metrics and analytics. Some people will argue the eye test, the body of work, and the body of work can fall in between. It can fall in the analytics category. It can fall in the eye test category. But the problem is, when you're out to find the four best teams in the country, we're talking right now a sample of eight games. You can't just rely on the eye test. You can't just rely on the analytics. You have to use a common sense approach and find a middle ground. There are many people out today that are arguing Clemson should be ahead of Penn State, and mostly on the basis because they think, well, Clemson's defending champs. They should be ahead of Penn State. They're a better team. Let's just argue for the sake of discussion that they are the better team in, as Penn State. Can you really say that with authority based on eight games, what the two teams have done? Penn State struggled with Pittsburgh. Clemson struggled with North Carolina. So can you really flatly state Clemson is definitely better than Penn State? The analytics think that they are, but it's close. 
most of the analytics have Clemson being about a field goal better than Penn State. If you ask me, gun to my head, who do I think is a better team? I'm probably leaning to Clemson. But I will tell you this. Penn State has the metrics on its side. It has a better strength of record, a better strength of schedule. It has two better wins by far. Both Michigan and Iowa are in the top 20 by the committee right now. Clearly better than anything Clemson has done. Texas A&M is the best Clemson win, arguably. Maybe Louisville. The fact that we even have to decide, well, who's their best win, shows that they don't have a really good win. And the other part of it, too, is not only does Penn State have the metrics, but people are overstating the talent differential. I mentioned this on Twitter, and I bet some of you didn't know this. If you look at the last four recruiting classes, four and five stars signed by each team, Penn State actually has more five, four and five star guys on their roster than Clemson. Penn State has signed 52 four and five stars in the last four years. Clemson has signed 47 four and five star guys. Again, I'm not saying that Penn State is definitely more talented than Clemson on that basis alone, but I'm saying the the talent discrepancy and differential between the two is being grossly exaggerated. So if you're tasked with finding the four best teams in the country, you got to use a common sense approach. You can't just say, well, Clemson is clearly better than Penn State because A, the data doesn't really show that. B, there's not enough data to make that conclusion. And so ergo, C... You kind of have to combine the two. You've got to combine the eye test with the analytics. You can't just give Clemson the benefit of the doubt on the eye test alone through eight games when the eye test hasn't always been there for them because they didn't look good earlier this season. So they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, and that's the problem. They have been given the benefit of the doubt in the past, and so finally the committee is saying, hey, we, we've given you the benefit of the doubt, but what we did in the past doesn't even matter. We can only go by what we're seeing this year, and this year, you don't have the body of work, you don't have the analytics, you don't have the quality wins, you don't have the strength of schedule, and you didn't even pass the eye test every game. You did barely hang on by the skin of your teeth against North Carolina in Chapel Hill. So I like that the committee used both the analytics and the eye test and came up with a very fair top five. We'll talk more about this here in just a moment. Stick with me here on Locked on Buckeyes. More about the committee's decision and initial rankings in the 2019 season. Coming up in the final segment of Locked on Buckeyes today, we'll talk some Ohio State basketball. As the Buckeyes tip it off tonight, I'm so excited for this game. Ohio State-Cincinnati, 8.30 on FS1 from the Schottenstein Center slash Value City Arena. Should be a great game. We'll talk more about that coming up in the final segment. So it is interesting, and one of the reasons why I like what the committee did here, again, I I mentioned in the last segment, they blended the eye test with the analytics. Ohio State wins the eye test and the analytics, for, for that matter. They actually, And this is why I said all week long, both on Twitter and here on the podcast, that I thought Ohio State would be one or two at worst Because not only do they have the eye test on their side, they have the analytics. They've just been blowing the doors off people. They have a 
historically good power rating, historically good performance rating. And that's why I thought if the committee used any sort of analytics in this discussion, they would win, win the day. And they did. But when everybody is so focused on LSU's wins, it was lost on people that Ohio State does actually have a better strength of schedule. And that's, I've been mentioning that. And the committee mentioned it Tuesday night. They clearly saw that Ohio State actually has a better body of work. When you look at every game, you can't just cherry pick the best two or three wins. They looked at every game. They looked at the eye test. They looked at the fact that Ohio State has the best game control in the country. That's a measure of basically how dominant you are from start to finish in terms of win probability or the time leading or trailing. So when you look at every single measure, I thought it was obvious that Ohio State should be number one, and the committee saw it that way. LSU, obviously, a couple of really good wins, really strong strength of schedule up there with Ohio State. They deserve to be number two. When I look at the Kenneth Massey ratings matrix, which is a composite ranking a bunch of, of a bunch of computer rankings, okay, almost 80 of them, Ohio State comes in at number one, LSU comes in at number two, Penn State comes in at number three, hint, 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 like I said, uh, Clemson number four, Bama number five. Now, it should be noted with these computer rankings that some of them are points-based and some of them do not take into account margin of victory. So there is a little bit of wiggle room there. I think if you take into account margin of victory, Clemson is probably ahead of Penn State. Alabama is probably ahead of both of them. Just worth noting. But the, the margin for error there is really not very big. Penn State and Clemson are comparable teams. Personally, I think Clemson is just a little bit better. But in an, in a system where we're trying to pick the four best teams, I can't just go by gut instinct. I got to have something to show for that theoretical success that you expect a team to have. And this is why I have had so much problem with some of the past results. Because Alabama in 2017, did not have the results to, to match the theoretical four-best-team argument. And Ohio State in 2015 did not either, and that's why they were left home out of the playoff. And I was okay with that because Ohio State was one of the four-best teams. We all know it. That team was the most talented team in the country, but they didn't prove it. They struggled out of the gate that season, they lost the only chance at a profile win that they had that year. So it was fitting that the 2015 Ohio State Buckeyes were left out of the college football playoff. But by that same logic, Alabama should have been left out in 2017. And that is my problem with the committee's rationale, is they weren't consistent in the times that they justified inclusion of somebody based on the eye test. If they treat every single process and every single ranking like this first one this year, 
I would applaud the committee and I would say, great job, guys, because I really appreciate your work on this. It shows they have the capability of setting aside the bias, setting aside any of these, you know, Southern narratives, the SEC stuff. They set aside the pressure. And like the past seasons in the initial rankings, they prove to everyone they're not unwilling to form their own narratives and their own opinions and not just be group thinkers. That part I appreciate. What is going to be telling is if they can continue to use common sense when it really matters at the end of the year. Because that's where they have gotten into the trap of falling, buckling to pressure. They told the world in 2017 that the razor-thin margin existed between Alabama and Ohio State. Ohio State goes out, beats an undefeated top-four team in their own rankings, but it was not enough to justify leaping them ahead of Alabama, even though they actually added that conference championship flag to their profile. So this is half the battle. It shows the committee can get it right. They can combine the eye test with the analytics and the strength of schedule and the metrics, and they can use common sense to form really solid ratings, rankings. There is a difference between ratings and rankings. I like what the committee did here. I really did. I think for Ohio State now, they've got a buffer zone. If we expect from here forward that the committee is going to value Ohio State as long as they don't do anything stupid, then Ohio State may be able to slip up against a Penn State or a Michigan or a Minnesota. They've, they've allowed themselves a buffer zone. And, and this is what I, why I said earlier and why I said on Twitter yesterday that the rankings do matter because you can get an idea, you can get a grasp of how the committee thinks about teams based on how they vote early. Again, we'll go back to the Ohio State-Oklahoma example last year. It was nothing that Ohio State could have done down the stretch. Once they lost that game to Purdue, nothing they could have done would have gotten them to leapfrog Oklahoma because the committee made up their minds Oklahoma deserved it more than Ohio State. So you just got to hope now they set aside the SEC stuff, they set aside the defending champ Clemson stuff, and they put Ohio State number one. Now you've got to hope that there is a bias for Ohio State going forward. Because if so, that is going to allow Ohio State a buffer zone, a mulligan, just in case they need it. And if you're an Ohio State fan, I know you don't care about mulligans right now. You want Ohio State to go undefeated, blow the doors off of Penn State, continue to thump Michigan and then go into the Big Ten Championship and finish off the regular season with a conference title by beating either Wisconsin again or Minnesota or Iowa or however the West plays out. That's the goal now. Win the rest of the games. And then none of that will matter. What the committee thinks from there on forward will not have any effect because Ohio State will have done it on the field and there'll be no room for discussion whatsoever. And if Ohio State wins out, they are clearly going to be the number one seed in the college football playoff. The only question now is, will they run the table? 
But I like what the committee has done here, not just because Ohio State's number one, but because they have proven that they can use common sense in the rankings. And I said all, I said all this week, I thought their, their initial rankings would be good, and the problem wasn't with the initial rankings. It was what they do at the end. And that, you know, the... That tale is still to be written, how they finish things off. Anyhow, more basketball talk coming up in the next segment as we preview Ohio State-Cincinnati coming up tonight. Make sure you catch the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. You can catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Locked on Buckeyes Singular on Twitter. We're on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Google, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Or go to LockedOnPodcast.com and check out the Ohio State Buckeyes podcast. We'll be back in a minute. If you could not tell from the inflection of my voice or the fact that I've told you probably a hundred times in the past week, I am really excited for college basketball kicking off. Last night, I didn't get a chance to watch as much of it as, as I really wanted. I only got to see about the second half of the Duke-Kansas game. That was not a very impressive showing for either team, but remember, it is one game. Last year, Duke throttled Kentucky. Everybody was ready to to pencil in Duke as the national title or national champion, and everybody was ready to write off Kentucky based on how bad that they got beat. But as it turns out, Kentucky ended up being pretty good, and Duke ended up not winning the title. So you can't read too much into the first game of the season, but... That being said, I didn't get to watch a lot of it last night. I didn't watch much of the the Duke-Kansas game, and I did not get to see the Michigan State-Kentucky game. So that being said, tonight will be the first night that I will finally get to sit down and watch college basketball extensively, and your Ohio State Buckeyes will definitely be on my television from 8.30 to approximately 10.30. That is on FS1. The uh, call on that will be Tim Brando and Jimmy Jackson. Ohio State has a real test. I'm not going to lie to you. Cincinnati is an experienced team. They don't go real deep that I can tell, or at least not have a lot of proven depth. But they're starting five. They go six deep with a lot of experience. Obviously, the guy that everybody needs to know is uh, Jaron Cumberland, who averaged almost 19 points a game last year. He's back. He is a really, really good player. I actually think Mick Cronin's offense held him back and held some of the talent back that Cincinnati has had in the past. They had such a structured offense. They're so physical, so defense-oriented. Sometimes I feel like the skilled players for Cincinnati in the past few years have really been held back. They've got a new coach now. Mick Cronin, of course, is at UCLA. John Brandon comes in, has taken over for Mick, and they are looking to go a little more up-tempo, a little more wide-open offense. They have two grad transfers coming in, including point guard Chris McNeil, grad transfer from Tennessee Tech, and they've also got their sixth man, Javen Cumberland, coming in from Oakland. He is the cousin of Jaron Cumberland. They have their three leading scorers back. I mentioned Jaron Cumberland, Trevor Moore, another a shooting guard, as well as forward Trey Scott. And then they, they've got a top 50 freshman Zach Harvey coming in, who actually Ohio State took a look at about a year and a half ago in the recruiting process. It didn't really go anywhere. He's a really talented guard, good shooter. 
he's going to get a lot of playing time for the Bearcats this year. He did, or he did have some off-court issues. I'm not going to go into details about that, but that is one of the reasons why some teams backed off of him. But this Cincinnati team, though, with the experience and the skill of their starting five, this is not going to be an easy team to play. They have some tough-minded guys, some guys that can score. I, I like Ohio State's depth in this game. It'll be interesting how much Cincinnati pushes the pace because, as I said, Brandon wants to play more up-tempo than Cincinnati has played, but they may not have the personnel and depth to do it just yet. So I think Ohio State is comfortable going a little more up-tempo with the fact that they've got D.J. Carton and C.J. Walker, two-point guards that can handle pressure a little better, and because Ohio State has more depth than they've had in the past, I don't think the Buckeyes mind running tonight. If, if Cincinnati wants to make this an up, up-tempo game, I think Ohio State will do that. But this is a tough test, test out of the gate because of the experience factor. I think Ohio State is the more talented team, but I think this is going to be a really nip-and-tuck contest that I think Ohio State pulls off in the end. But because Cincinnati has that experience factor, several guys that have been around college basketball several years, it, it could be a tough one. But it's a really good basketball game. I'm looking forward to it. As I've said in, in the past couple of episodes, I really hope that these two make this a an annual tradition. It doesn't necessarily have to be the season opener for both teams, but I do want to see these two play. It actually would kind of be cool to see them play maybe in February, late February. That would be really cool at the end of the season or maybe around New Year. But either way, Cincinnati, Ohio State needs to play more frequently, and I hope that they do that. So the Buckeyes, we're going to learn a lot about them in the first two months, folks. We've got Cincinnati coming up tonight, Ohio State having Villanova coming up in one week from that, from tonight. Then there's going to be Kentucky out in Las Vegas at North Carolina in the Big Ten ACC Challenge and West Virginia up in Cleveland. And that's just the non-conference games. As you all know, starting last year, Ohio State now has 20 Big Ten games on the schedule on top of those five non-conference, uh, non-conference games. So it's a great Exciting season of Ohio State basketball tipping off tonight, both in terms of scheduling and entertainment factor for fans, as well as potentially a really, really good basketball team here in Columbus. The preseason prognostications has Ohio State ranging anywhere from basically 10 to 20. Ken Pomeroy has them number 11. Jeff Sagarin has them number 16. The AP poll has them 18. The lowest one I've seen is actually ESPN's BPI. I know. Try to hold your your shock. That's, that's shocking to think that ESPN has Ohio State ranked lower than everybody else. But ESPN's BPI has them 25th, which is still fair. It's, it's not like it's disrespectful. It's an algorithm. It's not like I, I really do not believe ESPN is trying to be anti-Ohio State. But it is kind of funny to play along with that. <laughs> so, but... Bottom line here for you, Ohio State basketball, a top 10 to top 20 team, according to the prognostications and the experts. We'll see how it plays out, but the Buckeyes definitely have a chance to contend for a Big Ten title, along with Michigan State, Maryland, maybe Purdue, maybe, 
Wisconsin, maybe Indiana, Michigan. There are several teams there that could be in the mix, but I think the top three in some order, if I had to put it on paper right now, would be Michigan State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Those three I would put ahead of everybody else with Purdue coming in at fourth. So Ohio State Buckeyes, basketball is here, everybody. Tonight, 8.30, FS1, the Buckeyes tip it off against Cincinnati. That's going to do it for the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at KYLAM8. The show is on Locked on Buckeyes Singular. You can hear us on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or say play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. That's going to do it for me. We'll be back tomorrow. More looking ahead to preview Ohio State-Maryland coming up this weekend. Have a great day, everybody.